Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. Today, I'm really excited to be talking with Michael Kelly, who is a leading body language and speech expert. Now, body language is one of those invisible things that we often don't think about and are not conscious of because we're always living in a roadrunner mode. We're always distracted on our devices and we don't stop and think about our body language and our body language, they say the eyes are the windows to the soul, but our body language is really a window into what's going on mentally and emotionally. So Michael has got 20 plus years working as a body language and speech expert. He is the founder and director of the Kelly Speech Communication. He holds a master of science degree in speech pathology and a bachelor of arts degree in English. He helps leaders such as myself communicate their ideas and vision. We need to do it with confidence, energy, and certainty. And I I love that we have someone like Michael who teaches that. So he's an executive communication coach, and he has this excellent weekly blog called The Winning Voice, Best in Class Communication Techniques. Now, his clients include Commonwealth Bank, the University of Sydney, Universal, and Lixie, who is also a key stakeholder in my business, MSA National. Now, for those of you, lots of our listeners are business owners, bankers, lawyers, financial planners, real estate agents. Now, Michael's work focuses on helping you in three key areas. One, with business pitches, especially if you're in real estate, you're always pitching, right? Trying to get that listing. Also, he's in executive personal communication consulting and corporate communication consulting In fact, I'm going to do some work with Michael early next year, hopefully, before our next pitch. We have a pitch coming up for MSA National. With that, Michael, welcome to our growing community. Good to be with you, Sam. Awesome. So a lot of people that have heard me talk at keynotes will hear me say that there is an invisible force that connects people. So people absorb your energy first. They feel your energy first and listen to what you have to say second. And the two definitely have to be congruent. Now, Michael, you hold a Master of Science degree in speech pathology, and you've been working in this domain for over 20 years as a leadership communication trainer and a media commentator. Tell me, what do you see is the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to their body language? Wow. Yeah, global question. Let me uh, say this. They say that energy is 70% of a job. If you don't have it, be nice. And uh, the biggest mistake I'd say is people do not do this. Radiating warmth and acceptance and calm enthusiasm, particularly on entry to an interaction, to a virtual meeting, to a face-to-face meeting. When you radiate warmth and acceptance, conversations just seem to flow. When you enter a room with a level of calm and a level of enthusiasm, you attract people towards you. And I think, Sam, it goes back down to your sponsoring thought. I'm meeting with you today. I want to make a connection with you. That's my sponsoring thought. And if I have that, naturally, it should generate through my face and my voice and my manner. Sometimes people downplay it, and that's some of the clients that I work with. So to sum that up, the biggest mistake on entry, not radiating warmth and acceptance and calm enthusiasm through their face, through their voice, through their manner, through their feeling tone. Wow. Okay. Then what's the best way to make a good first impression then for people that you haven't met? Yeah, four things. And I'm a 
behavioral scientists. What I mean by that is speech pathology is an applied behavioral science. So I'm all into techniques that people need to practice and use so they start to become more reflex. Very simply, when you meet someone, face the person, hold eye contact, note the color of their eye and smile. And also on their forehead, picture the letters D-B-A-E, which stands for don't be anywhere else. So just being present in the moment. You may know what they say about former U.S. President Bill Clinton. When Bill Clinton listens to you, he can make you believe what you're saying is the most fascinating thing he's ever heard. And I think that's a skill you can develop and just really nail that opening interaction. Don't be anywhere else. But I think noting the color of someone's eye, you hold eye contact a fraction longer. Okay. Wow. Because I was going to ask you why noting the color of their mm. eyes, but it, yeah. yeah, it's just a technique people seem to, it's easy to do. So I'm looking at you, oh, what color is Sam's eye? And you just stay there rather than flighty eye contact. How do you do that then in a social setting? So I'm very good one-on-one mm. people and I'm completely present. Yeah, great. But when it comes to a party situation, there's a lot going around, other voices talking. It's very difficult to stay present in that Mm. moment. So how do you do that? Indeed. And again, from the behavioral aspect, I think you can develop that, Sam. So we're talking, there's a lot of background noise. It's almost like I'm just going to zero in on you. And again, I also think attention can be developed, the skillful management of attention. My clients have found that I can stay with Sam. Sure, there's going to be some background noise. I might have to move to a different area if I can't hear you. But again, if I want to focus on you, I think I can develop that. For example, I used to work with people who had stuttering problems, and we would just work on them being fluent with one word, then two words, and you can build that up. So you almost teach your body, this is how it is to be present with this person. So that's what I suggest. Well, yeah, it's funny, the cocktail party situation, you'll hear your name if it's mentioned a room across. We have a very strong memory if we hear our name, someone mentions our name. But yeah, they're applicable to any situation. So there's many interactions in business. There's internal facing communications with team members, and there's external Mm. communications with clients. What are the nuances or the differences between each of those? So are Mm. there any differences Yeah, great question. I think just be who you are all the time. You present the same face to everyone. Sam, you present on a platform and you may see speakers, the different people on the platform versus when they get off the platform. Yes, You just want to be you just bigger on the platform. It's still genuine Sam. And I think the same applies for internal, external communication. Perhaps there's a banter or internally that's different. But I think it's interesting in business relationships. I think the best leaders that I deal with are playful. They're just light. They have a light feeling tone, but they're still professional. So there's some differences, but I don't think a lot. Let me say that. Okay. So number one is be present. And number two is be authentic. Have Mm. the same face for everyone. with Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny. My don't be anywhere else seems to resonate more with be present. I'm not sure why, Sam, but it's one of my most powerful techniques in the last 15 plus years. Even for a virtual call, you could have a post-it note and put it right next to your camera on your monitor to just stay in the moment. We all daydream. So I think, yeah, it's funny how phrasing can affect how it resonates. How do we then practice being in the moment? Is meditation the number one thing to help you be in the moment? Wow, meditation's outside my sphere of influence. But some of these ideas, I should say, Sam, seem too basic to be effective. They're very powerful when well executed. 
So here's something I'll just share with you. We've had this conversation. It's been going for seven or eight minutes. I want you to give yourself a rating on a one to seven scale. One is total daydreaming. You haven't been here. And seven, you haven't daydreamed at any time. doesn't matter what number you give yourself. Just by doing that, you're refining your listening, being present muscle. So I do that in my workshops. But I, I think just reflecting on how present was I, and over time, we find that people get more present. So it's a, just a practical thing. And hopefully I've been here. I probably would say I give myself a 6.8, but it doesn't really matter the number. I guess my point is just rating yeah. yourself, grading yourself on how present you are. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's a really good technique. So you focus on business. How important is body language in business? I think it's part of the energy that you bring into a room. Again, Sam, very basic. I think when you're seated, feel the back of the chair. Imagine your neck is long at the back. Imagine there's a string coming out of your head and a puppeteer is pulling it to the ceiling. Have your arms on the table. If this is a table uncrossed, you want to encourage people towards you. Actually, you'll be a better listener if your hands are on the table. And if your hands are not on the table, if they're under the table, you'll be less likely to interject in a meeting. But just, yeah, it's just the energy, the physical energy, I think it sends a message. There's nowhere else that I'd rather be except with you right now. Okay. Again, a skill that can be developed. So I think your body can affect how you feel if you're slumped, if you're right away, people get that. As you've got a lot of energy, I try to have energy because I know we start the dance and then it tracks each other. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk then about how to interpret other people's body mm. language if, yeah. Yeah. if you're in a meeting, mm. because that can give you a lot of clues as yes. to what's going on mentally and emotionally. Yeah, I think you're two polar opposites connected. They're looking at you. They're facing you. There may be some nodding. That's why I think it's really important not to rush when you're speaking. I have a technique, and I can explain that to you later, called measuring cup speaking that Barack Obama uses, former U.S. president. But in that pause, just look at them and just say, are they with me or not? A negative body language or potentially negative judgments of what you're saying is index finger up the side of the cheek. And all these are in context, Sam, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But this can sometimes equal negative judgment. For everyone that can't see this, Michael's pointing to his uh, chin <laughs> or you're resting. Oh, on the chin. Yeah, resting. This is more thinking. Sometimes scratching the back of the head or picking lint off your clothes. These are all classic negative <laughs> approval. You can overread this. When you're face to face, however, say you're in a meeting and you're standing, if the foot of the person is pointed away from you, that can indicate the person wants to leave. One-on-one -on -one interactions when someone's nodding a lot while you're talking could indicate they want to stop speaking so they can speak. But yeah, and if I see people like that, I would just ask a question if it was you, not that it would be, Sam, is this going on the right track for you? Just check in. Yeah. And I wouldn't continue if I sense the group's not with me. Like you're an experienced speaker, I'm an experienced speaker. We can know when people are with us or not. But I think for less experienced speakers, pause. As you know, there's a concept called presenter's misperception of time. When you're in the speaking spot, time goes very quickly. But from the audience, it goes a lot slower. So just yeah. take that time, check in ask a question, move on. If I'm a mortgage broker and I'm sitting in the living room of uh, a couple, okay, let's look at mm. the husband mm. and wife. What are the, are there differences in body language that we can look out for between male and female? In that yeah, room? and some of the things I've talked about, are they nodding? Are they with you? Are they open? I think when you're communicating, they talk about demonstrating the nodding 
I think people can show that you're with people. Some people can over nod, but when I'm listening to you, I'm a big nodder, but it can convince you or not convince you, show that I'm interested in what you're saying. But as far as a woman and a man, again, just take your time. A lot of people rush. And I would say this to you, Sam, if you're perceived as rushing, that's junior behavior. If you're perceived as owning time, that's senior behavior, even if you think you're not rushing. So I think it's always useful to just pause and let a pause sit for a second or two. That can help someone say something they were just about to say. And I guess there's the rhythm as well. But yeah, the things I've been saying, I think they're applicable to all types of human interactions. Back to Barack Obama then. Sure. Uh, you mentioned him because he was just so beautiful to listen to. Mm. I remember in 2008, you know, everyone was mesmerized because he just spoke in complete sentences. Was that something natural or was it learned? As you say, the top performers realize that talent's overrated. Talent will only get you so far. Top performers keep working at it. They love feedback from an audio device, a video device, other people. Obama started off with a great voice, but he kept working at it. So that's why he was so sharp. He had a special skill, but he never rushed. He was considered. So yeah, I think you can still work at it. No matter what you are, you can get better. But that's why the top performers separate themselves from other people. They never stop working. Yeah, and stop trying to get better. As well, that's what I try to do as well. I'm, uh, I only can get better. Here's a quote from Colin Powell. I just thought about this, and this is what I'm working on. Colin Powell, former U.S. Secretary of State General, said, "Great leaders are almost always great simplifiers, who can cut through argument, debate, and doubt, and offer a solution that everybody understands." So I think the best communicators can be tight. I did a CD with Bob Carr, former Premier of New South Wales. One of his classic lines was, when in doubt, strike it out. The tighter, the better. If a sentence doesn't advance the case, drop it. So going back to the mortgage broker example, if you're not sure to say something, don't. Perhaps opt for silence. Yeah, less is more. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, you're mentioning these things. I'm thinking back to people that I've met in meetings where they've been very clever with their pauses and the rhythm of their voice and they're going slow. And at the time I was thinking, why are they talking so slowly? <laughs> I guess you can go too slowly, but it's more rushing with me. It's, I can go very fast as long as I give you a pause break. So I might say, Sam, you never get a second chance to listen to some of the first time. But if you're daydreaming, so it's really having those pause breaks. You don't have to be monotone, but it's giving people catch-up breaks, I would say. But yeah, Obama never rushes. Sometimes I even think he pauses too much. <laughs> he can be over-labored, but that's just a uh, personal opinion. But it makes you hang on, you know, every yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. How does that compare to, say, we're drifting a little bit here, but how does it compare to, say, Trump's way of... Yeah, I have many views on the US president. I would say this, Trump is an outlier. It's hard to categorize him. Is he an outlier when he has 74 million people that voted for him? That's why he's an outlier, how he has that many. I, I would recommend a book to your listeners. It's called Win Bigly by Scott Adams, the uh, Dilbert columnist, the cartoon columnist. There's a lot, some devices that he is using. I don't want to get political here that draw people in. So he is a fairly master communicator and he nods a lot. He'll say it's true at the end of his utterances. 
You hear that enough. You believe it's true. And again, these things we're talking about can be used negatively or positively, but that's a whole different subject, the U.S. president. And, and again, leaving aside <laughs> politics, when I do leadership communication and look at leaders, it's not left or right. It's how well do they inspire and their audiences? Yes. The reason why I asked the question, because two different styles, but both compelling. They mobilize populists. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah. So... On that point, then, how important are facial expressions then in body language? Is that 90% of the, the equation? I, again, Sam, there's a lot of misinformation in body language. You may have heard that body language and voice is, I don't know, 70% of communication. That was done by a researcher, Albert Morabian, but that was done in controlled situations. But of right. course, facial expressions matter a lot. A person is first known by their facial expression. So going back to what I said earlier, when you enter a room or a virtual a meeting, be aware that this is what this is signaling, because that's how they first know you. And I've seen people look a bit worried with their facial expression when they enter a room. So I think, yeah, face and the eyes is huge. But then when I see you for the first time, I look at your face. Does it look like it's radiating warmth and acceptance? Does your voice project energy? Then I get to the words. Obviously, dress is important. Uh, dress is important. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that then, because uh, with COVID now, everyone's on Zoom, so yes. they can only see the facial expressions yes. often. And uh, like, I still wear a, a collared shirt when I'm in a sure. uh, business Zoom uh, meeting. So is that still important for us to maintain? I think it is. And let me say this. Anytime someone can see you, it forms an impression and a potential for loss or gain. And I see even in business meetings, firstly, I was just with a major corporation doing a short today and no one had their video enabled. It was just me. Yeah. <laughs> and that stems from the top and what the boss legislates. I think a college shirt is essential and it's uh, the background that's non-distracting. I've got a lot of lights here on me, the microphone, all those things over time are going to be more and more important and will separate top performers from uh, also rands. So yeah, dress, I think it's important. I think unfortunately some CEOs are not setting a good standard. I see them with beards and that's fine. They're at home. The impression could be they're too lazy to shave. And as far as face-to-face -face meetings, what I see men in business overlooking is dated business suits. What does that mean? Dated suit? They yeah. may think your ideas are dated. With women, I think one thing, and again, I'm not a person that is a professional dress consultant, but distracting jewelry. As Coco Chanel, famous perfume maker said, before you go out on the evening, look at yourself in the mirror and remove one item of jewelry. So less is more. But I think dress is important coming back to it. It does so, make a difference. So I, I love that you cover all these other aspects of body language. So in your coaching then, of business leaders and, and teams, what do you cover? My main work now these days is one-on-one -on -one work. And if I was you, Sam, I'd say, Sam, how direct you want me to be on a one to 10 scale? And I just give you collegial, but straight feedback. So I, I do have views on this. I'm not gonna address someone, but I do know the impact in business on what it might convey. And it, if uh, you wanna be just sharp, I would just say, that's a word and have people give you feedback who tr you trust. Sam, people size you up quickly and change their minds slowly. Yes. Nice. What do you think of wearing ties then? 
Uh, really depends. I think ties are being less common. Even in one of my major clients, Commonwealth Bank, you know, it's very dressed down. Still, it should be professional dress. And sometimes it's appropriate to wear a tie. Sometimes it's appropriate to wear a suit. I think it's trending now. And uh, sometimes I'm overdressed with a suit. So I'm buying, purchasing more sport coats. Yes. So I can, as a consultant, as I go into businesses, it seems a de rigueur that I need to wear a jacket, but maybe not so many suits these days, though I do have them. But I try to make a judgment call of how I want them to perceive me without being a caricature of a consultant. Yes, absolutely. So first impressions are absolutely critical. And you've just reinforced that fact because that idea was very popular in the 80s and 90s and the noughties. But just of late, I've just noticed that people are just so relaxed about mm. they turn up to meetings with. And I feel bad because I judge based on their dress. Me too. Inadvertently, indirectly. I just think, does that person really know what they're doing? Are they competent? Are they fit enough to make these decisions if they're dressed like that? Then I have to check myself. So it's unfortunate, but that's the truth. And if you have a client relationship, they're going to judge you on that. They don't know you. Internally, if I rock up to work with jeans and a t-shirt, everyone knows I'm the boss there and they'll know that yeah, I'm competent. Yeah, yeah. But I can't do that, obviously, with clients. So they're going yes. to judge me. So I'm, I'm glad you called that out because we live in this era of political correctness where you just, <laughs> you know, you're scared to say some of these things. But dressing <laughs> well, yeah, up. That's why when I, I give it, get permission to give it and I don't give it just uh, to anyone. That, but you're forming impressions all the time. Yes. Uh, anytime someone can see you. Yeah, the entry, I think, is the really important, the first impressions. But yes. yeah, dress is important. Awesome. That's good. And nothing dated, whether it's eyewear or a suit. So what does a dated suit look like? Someone who has a suit that they bought in 2005 and they're still wearing. Or <laughs> well, 2010, you can just see it. It's just shiny but i mean the the style you, you could see yes. suits they evolve and i'm not saying people should go out and be on the sartorial edge and get the armani suits but it's just keeping a few years on look at them and and have someone else give you feedback and sometimes they need to be retired even though they're not worn out <laughs> they're just dated and even though you might like it i'm laughing because i'm guilty of hanging on to every suit since 1985. <laughs> Yeah, keep them. That's fine. I'm not saying, but I, I will form an impression. Yes, yes. Whether it's one you want or not, I'm not sure. But anything will form an impression. Awesome. So I know you're not an expert in relationships, okay? But two people at a bar, okay? How do we interpret the body language of the other person to see whether they're engaged, whether they want to be approached. At the moment, everyone has an automatic barrier. But what are the telltale signs to look out for to see whether that person really is interested in exploring the conversation or whether we should just move on. <laughs> yeah, I think just top of mind here, eye contact held a fraction longer. I think okay. just, yeah, just when you catch someone's eye, the things we're talking about, open body language. About legs crossed the other way. Yeah, yeah, the other okay. way versus facing. And I don't know if this is true or not. Sometimes women may touch their hair in grooming. By the way, when people enter a room, they often will pacify themselves by touching themselves. So that's a marker of lack of ease. 
Yeah. You'll see that. So it's when you come in the room, I, again, physical room, I suggest you come in, you start, hang your arms by your side. I really think that's a behavioral skill you can develop rather than crossing them. You want to be open to people and just don't touch any part of your body. I think sometimes people do have these nervous tics, which indicates ill ease. Whether it's the ears, the cheek, yeah. the nose. Yeah. Okay. Then with these restrictions, uh, people are calling it social restrictions, but let's call them physical yes. distancing and all that. Will the handshake survive now in this new pandemic era? I never liked the handshake. Okay. Unless it really meant something. Like people right. these days, you can tell when they just reach out and it's just yes. robotic. Yes robotic and you can tell when the person is really shaking your hands and it's very rare so how do you shake somebody's hand where they feel like you really mean it yeah a lot of different views on that and the world that i operate in the corporate australia you can see mainly guys but some women want to shake hands again and it's coming back right now at this point i put out my hand i also have in the other hand a bottle of disinfectant rinse to say, <laughs> if you're open to shaking the hand, I have this. But I think it's really, yeah, it's different industries. I think in some industries, it will never come back. But I know in the world I operate in, it's starting to come back even now. But I would say the way to shake hands is really palm to palm, firm, held, eye contact, smooth release, a couple of pumps. And you can tell a lot by the handshake. And I'm a noticer of good and not so good handshakes pre-COVID. And I didn't get very many good ones when you remember it. Uh, and I think it's the touch. I think there's something there with humans. That's the only way we'll probably touch in this uh, environment. So whether it comes back or not, and I take your view that there's a lot of perfunctory ones and people don't look at you and it's almost like I have to do this and they're not really uh, wanting to be there. Again, for me, it goes back to the sponsoring thought. Why am I meeting with you, Sam? Because I want to have a good exchange I think if it's that's my purpose, it should be a reflection. The body, the voice is a reflection of that sponsoring thought for the right. interaction. I love it. <laughs> so good. I'm learning so much and I'm having those tangents where I'm thinking about all these interactions. That I've had, what about hugging with the clients that you've known ah, for a while? Is that, yeah. I know? Yeah, I do have a view on that. These days, I, I think it can introduce some awkwardness. So my advice to my clients that in work, outside work, it's just the handshake or other form of greeting and not the maybe peck on the cheek. I think if you do that outside work at a function, then in work, it can introduce awkwardness. So my view is just if someone tries to do that, just put out your hand to show them that you'd rather shake hands or now it's a bit even more awkward because we're not shaking hands. But I think that from my view, I would say not to have that cheek to cheek yeah. contact. Yeah, that's the safest option. Yeah, I, yeah. I think absolutely in business. And even if you know that person really, there might be others in the room that you don't know very well and they misinterpret. They may. And we can get too uh, strict on this. If you really know someone, you haven't seen them in a while, that may be. But these are malleable. You have to read the situation. But yeah, I think professionalism, but warmth generated through the body and the face. Unfortunately, with the masks, I did actually a recent uh, video on speaking with a mask so you could be understood. It's removing all that warmth, isn't it? I actually get creeped out when I see people with masks. Someone recommended watching Kevin Hart's latest Netflix special. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was him in his living room with 12 people all spread out and they're all wearing masks. And I had to turn it off after yeah. 10 minutes. I didn't find him funny because of it. 
Yes. And I found it creepy and it was eerie. It was, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a interesting time. And I think there's so much emotion through the face. So I think the voice has to come into effect. And yeah, we are obviously in Australia, very lucky that it's lessened the use of masks. Yes. And we won't get into the fact that there's some research showing that masks don't even work, but uh, let's not go there. Yeah, I'm not, I have no <laughs> views on that. Uh, me neither. We're not experts, but let's talk about conflict then, because it's inevitable in business that you need mm. conflict. Yeah. So what are the body movements to avoid when dealing with conflict? Because obviously there's some body language that can escalate a situation. Yeah, I agree. I really think if there's some tension, conflict, it's really important to just flag it. Even just commenting on, it seems like there's a lot of emotion, looks like, sounds like, actually that those phrases, it looks like, it sounds, it seems like, labeling what's happening yes. uh, can actually be a diffuser. So you're almost housekeeping the interaction. So if you were there and I said, it seems like, Sam, there's a lot of emotion behind this. Is that the case? And just bring it up, bring it on the table rather then maybe it's hidden. And in conflict, sometimes you take a break or just stay there and be willing to work through the conflict rather than avoiding it or attacking back. By the way, when you're on the stage, if you're ever attacked with an attacking comment, I think a good response, which I suggest to my clients as a diffuser is, oh, feedback is great. Well, thanks for the feedback. When we're attacked, the gut reaction may be to attack back or retreat. But the feedback is great, is you more diffuse it, then you have to question the person and find out what their thinking is. As I suggest to my clients in stress situations, he or she who loses their cool loses. Yes. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that tip because it just pours water on the whole situation. Yeah. yeah. It's hard, maybe hard to do, particularly sometimes people when you're on a stage have a grudge, but it's to rise above it. And I think be the professional real person. And if I disagree with you in conflict, I say, Sam, I understand your view. I believe I still hold a different view on that. Let's move on. There's no wrong or right answers. I think there's many right answers. And I think the other thing is don't set yourself up as a guru. That everything. I have some information about this area, uh, but there's still lots and lots of things I don't know. I can improve. I can get better. So I think if you just be open to everybody, realize there's going to be disagreements, not thinking you have the received view. Generally, I think it's useful. This is a phrase I just thought of this. Once you like and once you accept yourself, you fit all of a piece. Your inner evaluation fits your outer evaluation. And people will find it hard to fly in the face of that and treat you in a manner that disputes what you are. So just be who you are. Realize, don't undersell yourself, don't over, just be who you are, be playful. And I find that can help people when there's difficulties or disagreements. Wow, absolutely. Yeah, love that. Really good. Michael, then just as a, a summary, then have we covered everything that we should talk about in this subject? I think people should go to your website to read your blogs because they're amazing. And they, if people want to go deeper, they can go to your website. What is your website address? Yeah, me? Michael, my name, michaelkelly.com.au. That's uh, the double L, yeah. Double L, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-K-E-L-Y.com.au. Sam, we've mentioned Barack Obama. And I'm going to share with you, before we close, the measuring cup technique, one of my most memorable techniques. And it's a metaphor, and I'll use a prop. So here, imagine this is a measuring cup. It has measures on the side. I have ideas in my head. I put those ideas in the cup, speak that measure of word, put the cup down. That's where I pause. Yeah. Then I have another measure of words, speak that, put the cup down. 
pause. It's a silent pause gap. So there's no ums or errs. Measuring cups a good metaphor because it's not always the same measure. So when Obama won an election all those years ago, this was the start of his election speech. Think of ideas in the cup. Hello, Chicago. If there's anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight wow. is your answer. So that's measuring cup speaking. The opposite of measuring cup speaking is the water hose, just spraying people. Is anyone out there still doubts that America's? So it's just being <laughs> measured with energy. So uh, that's one resonates with my clients. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the same measure every time. No, and that's what introduced variety. But you're always going to the next pause. You're always going yeah. to the pause. Was that learned by Barack Obama? He talks that way. And this is a cultural in America. He really realized being a large, tall Afro-American man, when he was more measured, people seemed to respond to him better. That's yeah. If you read his book, Dreams from My Father, you'll see... He learned that. So he built that into his style. That's why he is so measured. But yeah, it, it can help you not rush and it can help you project more certainty. So how do our business leaders and political leaders in Australia differ? Do, do we have our own particular style or is it the same principles uh, that apply? I would say the same principles apply. I think as far as orators, there are not many good ones anymore. I think we've downplayed the value of oratory. Again, Bob Cargan, forget the politics, a former Premier of New South Wales, master speaker, a good lesson. He yeah. had a good voice to start with, but before he even got into politics, he had a weekly voice lesson because he knew yes. it was going yes. to be so valuable. And he wouldn't have been the longest serving uh, Premier of New South Wales, this is in my view, if he didn't have the voice he had. So the voice is the invisible influencer, and I think it can be powerful. Wow. So that's a big statement that his voice played a major yes, yes. role because he was one of the most successful, wasn't he? Yes. And he could really own situations metaphorically. Again, he could handle himself. He didn't lose his cool, but he never rushed. And just some as far as perception, Sam, a higher pitch is correlated with politeness, but also subordination. A lower pitch is correlated with more authority. The best speakers can choose the vocal pitch for the influence they want. So wow. Carr had a lot of authority and he had great pronunciation. He didn't rush. So I think it had a lot to do with his success. By the way, on my website, I have a CD with Bob. It's free and it's my interview with him. And he shares some valuable techniques. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's a downloadable. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's called Choice Voice Lessons from Great Speaking Voices. I think it's in the product section. Wow. Fantastic. So if people want to work one-on-one -on -one with you, they just go onto your website and they'll find easy. Yeah. They can schedule a call and we could talk and see if I'm a good fit. We can do a Zoom call or a phone or face-to-face. -face. But yeah, I'm not yeah. for everyone. I'm from the US. I have a certain style. I'm happy to talk with people. <laughs> Massachusetts. Yeah. And uh, you're based in Sydney at the moment? Yes, I'm an Oz-American, Sam. Yes, you've been here for 30 years, so I think we can own you now, really. We can say, yep, you're, you're an Aussie. Thanks you're a lot. Blue. Thanks a lot. <laughs> awesome. It's been fascinating, but I'm really keen to dive deeper into the resources on your website. I think people underestimate how much more powerful and effective they can be when they learn these practical techniques. And I love your approach. It is very practical. Mm, yes. And anyone can learn this stuff, yes. right? Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. And we've touched the surface, but no doubt as we get deeper and deeper into your content, 
we'd love uh, for you to come back again and we can zone in on one or two things. Yeah, I'm happy to discuss that. So it's been, yeah, it's been great to be with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you once again. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. Until next time, live consciously, my friends.